fourth chapter. I wish you were here Wednesday night. I did not intend to go in the direction that I went in. I did not know that God was going to lead in that direction, but it really was an, an incredible uh, life-changing truth. It, it, it forced me to look at some areas of my life, and uh, I was very pleased with the areas that I looked at and made some, made some goals. If there was a thought or a theme today, it would be practicing, practicing to perform. Practicing to perform. You've all heard my story of my, my, my golf experiences. I am uh, left-handed, and I have a slice, and most golf courses are designed for right-handers, very few left-handed golfers, and through the years of enjoying uh, whatever there was to do, I was full-time eight years and uh, would go to a church, preach, hang out with a pastor during the day, and what the pastor wanted to do, I did. I played racquetball. I bass fished. I ate three times a day at Captain D's. Whatever the pastor wanted to do, I did. And some of the pastors enjoyed going out and playing. I think they call it cow pasture pool. Cow pasture. You got the cow pasture. You hit a ball from one pasture to the other. And it seemed like that uh, no matter how much I, I, I tried, the ball never did what it wanted to do. And... Uh, church was very young and there was a uh, there was a golf pro a retired golf pro in our church and I didn't know it and he came up to me one one Sunday morning after I had uh, moaned about my golf score and he said pastor I'd like to take you out and spend some time with you so Monday we went out and we bought a, a bucket of balls about a hundred dollar hundred balls and he said why don't you just hit some so man I I laid it down, whacked it. I probably hit 20, 30, 40 balls. He never said a word. Just, I just kept whacking it. Finally, he said, Pastor Hank, let me tell you what you've done. He said, you have perfected your mistakes. You do it wrong every time. Well, that kind of hurt my feelings. I mean, you know, I did it wrong, but I had matching shoes and socks. Nice polo shirt, little alligator there on the side. And uh, I thought I looked good. And so he took, in the next several weeks, he took some time with me, and we conquered the slice. And uh, God called him. He, he, moved, he married and moved off to, to the north. And I hated that because I had, so much, I had so much fun enjoying how to do it right. But I learned you can do it wrong. You can do it wrong. I have been, uh, I've been harvesting uh, animals for quite some time. That's a nice way of saying I murder deer. But I've been harvesting some animals uh, for quite some time. And uh, I, I hang around people who have never seen a deer in the woods, ever. They, they spend years of their life, never see a deer. Or if they see a deer, they, they miss or too far away or whatever. And if you hang around people like that and watch their, their, their habits, usually there's something they're, they're doing that is messing up their success. And I believe a lot of times we get a, a lot of things right and a lot of things together but no matter how hard we try, it seems like that we are not successful. And I want to tell you, God wants you successful today. But you've got to understand his definition of the word success. Joshua 1 and 8, as Joshua had hung with Moses for 40 years, he had seen so many miracles, so many moves of God, the hand of God, the Ten Commandments, everything. Just uh, I think Pastor Connie said it so well today. She said, I'm not a speaker yet. 
See, Joshua had no clue that he was going to be the next pastor of this congregation. And he had about three million in his in his flock. I mean, how I mean, can you imagine taking on the responsibility of pastoring three million people? And those were real people in real in, in, in real scenarios. But he watched Moses for 40 years. Then when the time came and Moses dies with really not raising up any successor, God chose Joshua. And God told Joshua, don't be afraid. I've called you into this. I'm going to finance it. I'm going to take care of it. But I'm going to give you some guidelines that will help you. And those guidelines are you are to study this book. Now, realize Joshua only had six books of the Bible. He had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and probably the book of Job. He had nothing else. But just those six books, God said, if you'll study these six books, I promise you, you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. How many have someone in their life that's successful, but they're unhappy? They're successful, but only wine brings them pleasure. They're successful, but only power, being cruel or being angry or, or they're depressed. I mean, they've, they've got the money, they've got the stuff. The Beatles said it so well. They should have been Pentecostal evangelists. I don't care too much for money. Money can't buy me love. And there's success that you can attain doing it the world's way or it's a success you can do uh, uh, pertaining to God's way. In 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, gives us the covenant, talks about the new covenant, a better way, a better thing. And in 2 Corinthians 4 and 1, the word says, and let's go ahead and just, just share right from 2 Corinthians 4 and 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy... We do not lose heart. Look at somebody and say, I have something to hold on to. There is something in my life that's worth holding on to. And guess what it is? It's God's mercy. What is God's mercy? What is mercy? Mercy is, uh, I don't know if you ever really uh, had a sister you beat up, or maybe you beat up your brother. But, you know, you've got your sister down, you pull her hair, you get her in a headlock, you tie her arm behind her back, and then you make her say calf rope. Do you remember that, Mike? Calf rope. Well, never mind. Maybe you said, say uncle. Where's her uncle, okay? Calf rope, uncle. Okay, how many, how many, how, where's the mercy? Say mercy, say mercy. Okay, mercy is God giving, God not giving you something you do deserve. See, all we have sinned and come short, the glory of God, even the best of us have, have violated the covenant of God. But God said, I am not going to make you Get what you deserve because the blood of my son washed away all the records. I have nothing to hold against you. I don't have any documentation. I don't have any evidence. I have nothing to, to, to show me that you have failed. The blood of my son has washed you clean. And because of his blood and my love for him, I'm going to give you mercy. So Paul said, whatever you do, don't forget what you have been given. And don't take it lightly. And I wish I had an hour just to talk to the youth about the fact of having godly parents. The fact of having the ability to come to church, go to youth camp, go to, go to adventures, do, do things around the people of God. Because there are so many kids today that their, their, their families are broken and, and busted and disgusted and, and they're miserable and they're upset and they're pursuing drugs and alcohol and whatever. And a lot of times we take for granted what God has given us, not realizing most of the nation does not have what God has blessed us with. And I think you kids ought to give your parents a hand clap of appreciation. 
Thank you, all three of you. <laughs> Don't make me come over there. Well, my mom is this, my dad is that, my, my dad is this, my mom. Thank God you have a mom. Thank God you have a dad. Thank God you've got parents to gripe about. Come on. Look, look at this. Praise God for the ability to gripe about my parents. I've got parents I can gripe about. Go ahead. So God strategically has placed you where you're not reaping the effects of the world. Listen, the whole world lieth in wickedness, First John. The whole world lieth in wickedness. Everywhere you go, there is wickedness. There is evil. There are bad things happening. You cannot watch headline news in just a few minutes. And uh, this morning, headline news told the world that 17% of every American, that's almost one out of five, has abused pharmaceutical drugs. 17% of every American has abused pharmaceutical drugs. 18% of every young person under the age of 20 has abused pain medication. Hydros or Oxys or Percocet or all, all of that. We're living in an environment that, that it breeds evil. It grows evil. It, 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 it packages evil. It sells evil. And thank God that we are not caught up in Satan's devices, but we have seen a better way, and we're trying to walk that way that we have seen. So Apostle Paul said, no matter what you do, do not forget the fact that because you have received mercy... You do not lose heart. Let me tell you something. When you lose your heart, when you, when you lose your passion, when you lose your effectiveness, you, be, you, become, you become normal. You become boring. You wear beige everywhere. Beige should not be your favorite color. Tangerine, watermelon, purple, orange, hydrofluoric blue. New word I just made up. If we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the city set on the hill, we've got, we've got to have something to, to show. We've got to have something to give. We've got to have something to make a difference in somebody else's life. So Paul said, no matter where you're at right now, don't lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, and right now it is a veiled gospel, the world needs to hear what we have, they're not. It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, watch this, less, who do not believe, lest the light of gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Let's stop right there and tell you what God is saying to us. This precious gift. I get, I get offended when people tell them that salvation is a free gift. It is not a free gift. It costs so much, you can't afford it. The blood of Jesus purchased our salvation. It ain't free. And it never will be free. Ever. But the, but, but the word of God says, this, this gift that we've got to share to the world, that God will come to where you're at and could give a flying flip of what you did last night. He could care less how many people you cheated last month. He cared less how many years you spent in prison. 
He can care less what your gender challenges are. He can care less about that. But today, he cares about the fact that you're here, and there's something that you need, and he has it. And if you will reach out, call out, look, pursue, and seek, he is not hiding from his kids. God does not play hide and seek with his children. He does not. The word religion means man's search for God. Let me tell religious people something. God's not lost. I said God's not lost. Well, where is God? Look to your left. Look to your right. Paul said, I see the manifestation of God upon brothers and sisters in the Christian community. God is in us the hope of glory. Now, you may have a very small compartment in your heart for God, and you may hide it well. Matter of fact, people at work, may, they, may, they may not have a clue that you claim to be a Christian. You come to church, you show a little bit of God, you show a little bit about what you think Christians are supposed to be, and if that's the way you live your life, bummer for you. There's so much more God has for you. But, Bible, but the Word of God says that we have God hidden in our heart. And I like, I like what Keith Daly said years ago. You know, we've been asking, God, come in. God, come on. As little children, we sang that song, come into my heart. Come in today. Come in to stay. Remember that? That's probably the way it goes. But anyway, you get my point. The Word of God is saying, we don't want God to come in. We want God to get out. Come on now. If God's on the inside of us, then where are miracles? If God is on the inside of us, then where are miracles? In us. If God is on the inside of us, then where is faith? If God's on the inside of us, then where is healing? If God's on the inside of us, then where is deliverance? He says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Well, where does God's spirit dwell? In an earthen tabernacle called the flesh. The human body. You are, <laughs> you are walking around with God in you. But we so well manage to keep him concealed, to keep him cool, to keep him that he won't embarrass us or embarrass anybody else. Come on. That I think that God would say, you know what? I'm tired of being in your heart. Your heart's such a small place. Let me out. Paula White came. She had a little box, remember? And, and she put that button in. And they go, let me out of here. Let me out of here. I actually went up and opened the box to see what was in it. You never know what I might open up. God is trying to get out of you. Not to go stand on this Denny's parking lot and read Revelation 12 and tell them they're going to die and go to hell. Hello. Pretty much people know pretty much that bad things are going to happen to them at the end of life. They pretty much all know that. Come on. So they don't need to be told that, you know, you're going to die and go to hell. Why can't we tell them that, hey, the life you're living is all right, but God's got something better for you. There is a better way. There is something better that God has for you. And God said, is telling the church right now, he is veiled within the four walls of this church. We come Sunday morning and, and whenever we come and encounter him, because he promises to be where two or three are gathered. So we, we, we worship, we, we feel moved by God. Kids do the banners, we do the drama, we, 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 we bring groceries, we try to do the right thing, and then we leave not realizing that a very small part of what God wants to do just, just, just did. There is so much more that he wants to do, and it's not to turn you into a freak or a flake. Jesus doesn't take, freak, doesn't take people, make freaks out of them. Takes freaks and makes people out of them. Come on. 
So what, what God wants to do through us is simply be willing to open our mouth once in a while and let the words of God come out of our mouth as long as we have stored them in there. How many knows that your computer, if you don't put anything in, you don't get anything out. I went to my phone, and there's a, there's a thing there that says recent contact list, and I pushed recent contact list, and it said no data has been stored. And I'm thinking, well, that's a while. It says right there, con- there's a place there for stuff, but there's nothing in there. I mean, it's like somebody said, man, I went and had a brain scan, and praise God, there was a brain. I, they did find a brain in my body. Laugh, it leaves a pain. Because we think that we're just supposed to come sit soaking sour. Sit, so come on. Or maybe, maybe we'll just, maybe we'll leave a track on the men's journal. <laughs> well, well, maybe, maybe, you know, the waitress at Denny's, instead of giving her a dollar, we'll give her two dollars and tell her Jesus loves her. We are so... <laughs> I rest my case. <sighs> There's a little bit more expected out of you. And when Jesus was out doing his thing and he did it well, he had a follower by the name of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a, uh, probably as far as the church was concerned, was a crook. But encountered God, turned his life around. And Matthew invited Jesus over to one of his friend's parties. And they were there and they were partying. They had all the stuff that, that parties have. But when Jesus began to speak, they forgot their drugs and alcohol and began to listen to what he had to say because out of his mouth flowed the issues of life. And as they heard what he was saying, it was not a miracle that turned them to him, although he did miracles. It was not feeding the multitude that turned them to him. It was speaking common sense in an area of an anointing that they actually believed what he had to say. He sold them on what he had to say. He believed it. And he believed it enough to rock their world. And guess what the religious did? He hangs around drug addicts. He hangs around alcoholics. He hangs around losers. Absolutely. Because when Jesus hangs around an alcoholic long enough, they quit drinking booze and want to drink Dr. Pepper. Hello. When Jesus hangs around losers long enough, they realize, I don't want to stay in this cave and be a loser. I'm coming out. God's got something for me. I feel God moving in my spirit. And Matthew went to Jesus, I'm so sorry that these, these religious leaders are bad-mouthing you and running you down. And, and, Matthew, and Jesus said, Matthew, chill. You did the right thing. That's exactly what I wanted, a table in, in front of ungodly people. Because when Jesus gets around ungodly people, one of two things happen. Either they get worse or they get better. Come on, come on. You get, you get someone around the things of God, they'll either, they'll either embrace that and then freak out, get mad and, and go worse, or they'll embrace it and say, I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I'm tired of thinking what I'm thinking. I'm tired of going to bed every night asking, is this all there is? No, this is not all there is. There is more. And the more you make happen to somebody else, the more that God will make happen to you. So here's what he's saying. Right now the gospel is, how many knows what a veil is? A veil, uh, the, 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 that, when you cover your face or, you, or there's a veil, the shower curtain, okay? Because you don't want people, you know, looking behind the shower curtain. Uh, especially if you sing the shower like me, you sure don't want me seeing me sing while I'm, never mind. Um, but he said, the gospel is veiled. Because we are not freely receiving 
freely giving, freely sharing. Because we've been, we've been caught up in a lifestyle that says you go to church, you tithe, you give your offering, bring food once in a while, go to midnight prayer once in a while, support the conference once in a while. You have arrived. You have. But what about everybody else around you that desperately needs what you have and all you got to do is make them aware of it and their world can be rocked. So it's hidden. And here's what Jesus is saying. Not only is the gospel hidden, but the world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. There are people who actually think it's okay to do what they're doing. There's nothing wrong with it. And again, Jesus didn't come to fuss about wrong things. Jesus came to tell us about right things. And when, Mike, when I started doing the right things of God, the wrong things became bad tasting. I mean, when I, when I live for the devil, I mean, I live for him. And, and I, my hair grew long, not that long hair is a sign of anything. And I smoke pot, not that smoking pot is a sign of anything. I mean, I did everything there was to do. And, you know, when I live, when I live wrong, I mean, I, I did it well. My attitude was, if I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to make a big splash. Okay? That just, that just. So when I was out doing my thing, nobody cared. Dustin, nobody cared that I wore socks or didn't wear socks. Nobody cared that I had long hair. Nobody cared that I smoked. Nobody cared. But the moment I got saved, everybody had an opinion. Everybody had it. You need to cut your hair. You need to stop this. You stop that. Stop that. Listen, when I got around God and the things of God, I didn't have to be told, hey, you can't sleep around anymore. Hey, you can't get drunk anymore. Hey, you can't go steal anymore. Hey, you can't shoot drugs. No one had to tell me that. I knew it because somebody introduced me to the real thing. And if you are the real thing, you should go out of your way wanting to be introduced to the wrong thing. Darkness cannot handle light. Darkness cannot handle freedom. Darkness cannot handle the things of God. Darkness has to flee. We sang that this morning. Sin is removed. Darkness has to flee. When we exalt him, the things of the enemy cannot stay. Let's go on and look and see what he says. 1 Corinthians. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of glory of Christ, whose image of God should shine on them. So we are the ones that let that light shine. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light, <laughs> how cool is that, to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Everything your pastor just said, twenty minutes, the past 20 minutes, is actually recorded in the word of God. Look at somebody and say, God blesses me so I can bless somebody else. So I need to be blessed so I can bless somebody else. So I need to expect some blessings, some good things, some favor, some honor, some, some stuff to come my way to see if God can trust me. And I dare God to try to trust me. Because I'll give it away. I'll, I'll make it happen to somebody else. Knowing if it flows through me, there'll be more. I will not be able to contain all God has for me. It will be a joke, me trying 
to give away as quickly as I receive. Give a Lord and God a praise. <laughs> Let's leave it right there. Let's conclude. Wednesday night, as God shared some things with me, there's some things like, who said that? <laughs> Ushers, before you take her out back and beat her, get all her money. We preachers feel like that we have to have a, a list of things that you need to do to get to where you need to be. And I apologize sometimes. It's just, a, it's just a preacher thing. And if you're Baptist, you only have three things that you share with the people they need to do to get their act together. If you're Pentecostal, you have seven. Because it's, it's the right number. It's the perfect number. So when someone says, seven keys to pr produce financial success... There's probably not seven keys. There's probably just one. Give and it shall be given. However, we charismatics, we, we, we're, we're long-winded. I mean, I mean, Paul preached all night. Guy fell out of the window, died. I mean, you thought that would stop the show. Paul said, I'm not done yet. Raise a guy from the dead and preach the rest of the night. I mean, how cool. That's my kind of guy. How cool is that? Let's move quickly through these seven steps. <laughs> I love the way I suck that right there. Those, those seven steps. Step number one, he didn't leave you the way he found you, and the changes he's brought thus far are just a glimpse of the glory he wants to take you to. Eat your heart out, Mike Murdoch. Think about that for a minute now. I didn't read this. It's not written down. I think the Lord just gave it to me for some of this house. He did not leave you the way he found you. And the things that you've enjoyed now is just a glimpse of the glory that he has for you. We go from glory to glory. So first of all, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to seek and to recognize. Pastor Rhonda asked me about a particular thought or theme, and I went through my about 2,000 books in my library, wherever those books are. Some of them, I think, are in some of your homes and it said, thou shalt not steal in the, in the front of my book, or it should say that anyway. Um, but there are a lot of good books out there on the market today that have been written not necessarily by godly, authoritative characters. So there's, there's some good stuff out there. But it's important, to, it's important to know that you don't just get the good stuff, but get the stuff that is anointed for you right now where you're at right now. And as you begin, as you begin to seek, there's, there's actually a process of seeking. Yesterday, Pastor Tim and I went to a couple of places. We went into an environment. We begin to look for something. We begin to look for some tracks. We begin to look for some trees that were rubbed. We begin to look for some other things that were mixed company. I won't tell you what we were looking for. But as we begin to walk in this environment we could see these trails and begin to see these, these 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 this sign we realized that we were in the right place and that we will probably be successful in harvesting god's bounty that's a nice way of saying we intend to murder a deer so there you have it but there are places you do not go to seek the things that you're pursuing so there 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 are things that god will bring into your life that are important to you. Nine times out of ten, uh, 
if I'm talking with anybody, period, whether it's Perry or Marcus or Pastor Billy, or I will ask them, Pastor Ron will tell you, I will ask them, what are you reading? What are you reading? What, what, what book do you have right now in your library? What do you, what do you, if you were to ask me right now, I'd probably tell you that I'm rereading In the Pit with Lion on a Snowy Day, because that book changed my life. That book literally changed my life. And there's nuggets in there that I've not yet digested and not yet pulled out. So it's important not just to get excited when pastors or, or, or dramas or singing groups say, God's got something better for you. God does not want to leave you where you are. God wants to take you somewhere. But the Bible says, seek, seek knowledge, and with knowledge, get wisdom. And so not just knowing, knowing what to do, but knowing when to do it. How many knows that's very important? It's very, it's very important that when you pursue knowledge, that you begin to put into application what you are learning, or we simply become hearers of the word and not doers of the word. So first of all, if, if we're going to go to the next place we want to be, usually God will bring, bring godly, accountable authority in our life that as we watch their life and see what how they're accomplishing things we get a little jealous it's okay to get jealous the bible says god is a jealous god it's okay to get jealous to the provisions and promises that god has for you your word says it god i want to pursue it then begin to surround yourself with people or surround yourself with tools that seem to be getting them to where they need to be is that helpful some of the most basic fundamental things is you need a devotion. You need a journal. You need to pray. <laughs> Duh. I mean, I think I'll pray. Good, good idea. Look at somebody. Good idea. Um, I saw a girl on TV this morning. It's happened last week. Uh, she won like $60,000. She was the fastest texter in the world. Uh, she did a version of, oh, McDonald had a farm. I don't know for how many seconds. But they begin to determine how many texts she did a day. 233 different texts she sent every day. Uh, freshman in high school. Just think what would happen if you read the word of God 233 times a day. What would happen if you prayed in tongues 233 times a day? What would happen if you just sang a devotional song 200? I'm telling you right now, you turn your, your radio off that rock music. Wait a minute, I didn't just say that. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> sure, we pursue our passion. We pursue our, if it's hunting, we'll watch a hunting video. If it's, if it's created clear water, we'll listen to a CD. Come on, wave at me. I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing. This girl had that texting down. What happened if we pursued God the way we pursued our cell phone or our Facebook or, or, or whatever else we're, we're pursuing? Does that help anybody? Okay, the second step, that was a pretty easy step, wasn't it? Realize there's more God has for us. What am I doing with my time? What are some of the right things that I can do? The second thing that I want you to focus on is to see your life from God's perspective. See, if you see your life through your distorted mirror, the Bible says we look through or look at a glass darkly. And that can mean two things. You can pull up, stoplight a vehicle, look over, and the windows are all tinted. You can't see a single thing that's going on in that vehicle. In some states, it's illegal. 
you could also pull up to that vehicle and see your reflection and see your reflection <coughs> distorted. <coughs> we live in a Kent Barbie and who's the other guy now? Environment. The world says you're supposed to be skinny. You're supposed to have narrow, narrow cheeks. You're supposed to have liposuction. You're supposed to have crow's feet removed. The world tells us what we're supposed to look like. And so a lot of times we look, the word says, man looks on the outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. So it's very easy sometimes to see your reflection, either your physical reflection, your emotional reflection, your mental reflection, and see yourself distorted, handicapped, or just, or just useless. You've got to see yourself the way that God sees you. And to you and I, the terminology, lily of the valley or apple of his eye, uh, those, those mean nothing to us because we were not raised in Israel. We don't know what that means. But if I were to, t- if I were to tell you that if God has a wallet, your picture's in it. And you ever get around grandparents very long, it doesn't take very long to get those wallets out. Well, I've got 80 pictures on my phone. I finally learned how to blow up the pictures, and I can show you my kids. That's just something a dad does, a grandpa does, when he gets around his kids. That's what you are to God. You are the favorite grandchild. You are the, you are the apple of his eye. You are the lily of the valley. You, you are cared and loved by him, and he has great things for you. So see yourself not as you see yourself. See yourself as God sees you. Now I'm going to conclude with, uh, we're just going to do three steps, okay? I'm hungry. We're going out back today, you think? Thank you for responding in the groceries, all four of you. See, God, God makes it so simple. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, write a letter. September 19, 2010. Dear brother and sister Davis, I've been called that a long time. I was watching TBN, TBN on 9-7-10, and sister Davis was on that night. It was a blessing, and the Lord touched my heart as I listened to God's servant. All during the message, I was waiting for you to give your address so I could write. But all that, I was, all that was shown was your website, and I have no way to be on a computer where I'm at. I am incarcerated. Thank God that TBN and Daystar is in the prisons of America. Thank God. Thank God. So I called my daughter. I'm incarcerated in London, Ohio. So I called my daughter. And she got me her mailing address. I've been incarcerated since 1995. At one time, I was in church. And God called me to preach. But I ran from the call. 
soon backslid and allowed Satan to take me down the wrong road. I soon was drinking and taking prescription drugs just to try to find peace, which it never came because only Jesus can bring the peace that passeth all understanding. Well, I received a call one week before I got arrested by my pastor. He encouraged me to come to church. He said, God had something for me that night service. Well, I told him I would try. Then he said, Brother Steve, the devil has something planned for you, so please don't allow him to rob you of what God has for you. Well, I still didn't take the warning. In one week, I was arrested, charged with such a horrible charge that would cost me years of my life. I'm doing a 10 to 25-year sentence since being in here. I lost my mom, which was my best friend, and I miss her so much. God took her to heaven November 21st, 2008. I have a wife. Her name is Cecilia. She is very ill with lupus and other problems. She needs a true experience with Jesus. Also, she isn't able to work. She's trying to get on Social Security. I believe God will help her. Let me pass through this just a little bit. He has a doctor that he has a daughter that he has never seen. Uh, dad passed away of colon cancer. He now believes that he has colon cancer. And again, I, I hate to, to blow through this, but I do want to read the very last. Um, Please pray with me. I want to be out there to work for God and be with my family who needs me home. I don't want to die in here or see another loved one pass away so ill so i will try not to allow fear to come to me because i know the devil is a liar but god's word is true god bless you for taking time to read this thank you for your prayers only jesus can satisfy the hunger the bible says blessed that hunger and thirst for righteousness if they don't know jesus they will hunger for oxycontin and they will thirst for Budweiser. That's the message that God has given this church to take to the world. There is hope. There is a, there is a deliverer. And I'm living proof that no matter how bad things get, God can always come to where it's bad and make it better. God never goes to some place where it's bad and makes it worse. God always goes to that's bad and makes it better. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. Step number three, learn how to recognize the voice of God. Wrong voices, wrong choices. A lot of voice today saying a lot of stuff. Do this, do that, go here, go there. Give up. It's never going to work. Throw it away. Get divorced. Party. Do what you want. Pursue whatever lifestyle you want. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof, the Bible says, if you follow the voices of others, is of hell and of death. But there's a straight way. There's a narrow way. There's a God way. It's not an easy way. There's some difficulty to pursuing it. But there are plateaus. There are oases of blessing. It's not just a storm every day of your life. It's not just a battle every day of your life. But there are seasons in your life where God will take you to a place of provision. And God will play, take you to a place of rest and assurance. And he will sing over you. He will give you visions in the night. 
He will, he will encompass you with his heavenly host. He will protect you. And he'll send you back on the field to take the, the football and, 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 and to move it down the field. And when you fail, he doesn't send you to the lockers, but he sends you the bench. And he, sends, and he talks to you. He encourages you and says, all hell's against you, but I am your hope. You will be successful. As no one is looking around, you are here today, and God has divinely brought you. All hell fought you coming. There's a lot of stuff going on in your life, a lot of bad stuff. You know what decision to make. You're at the crossroads. God knew that. God, God changed the, the message of this pastor this morning around 8 o'clock and gave me this word. If this word is just for you, and I never preach or teach it again, if it's just for you, you're worth it all. You are the apple of his eye. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. I'm going to ask Pastor Barbara, and I'm going to ask Dinah Rester to come and just stand and just face the congregation. And I want to tell you today that there are two godly women that know how to pray. They know how to listen. They know how to encourage you to pray, or they'll just stand and allow you to speak to God, and they will support you. As no one is looking around, if you are that person that God has stopped this service and has declared it's all about you today, not listen to all the stuff you listened to yesterday, but today's a brand new day, hear what God is saying. His gospel, his good stuff has been unveiled for you to see today that there is hope, there is opportunity, this can be turned around but God does not want you doing it alone with the help of others. God wants to personally assist you across this river, across this scary place, and lead you to a safe place. If you are that young lady, if you are that mom, if you are that grandmother, if you're that teenager, if that is you today, I want you to come as quickly as you can. Every head is bowed. My eyes are closed. No one's looking around. God is pulling God is speaking. Listen to his voice. Acknowledge his voice. You come and stand in front of Pastor Barbara or Miss Diana. You can trust them. They won't embarrass you. They won't expose you. They will agree with you. And know you're here. I know God is speaking. I know God is reaching. I want you to come. Come on. Come on. All heaven votes for you to come. The blood of Jesus votes for you to come. The power of God votes for you to come. All hell votes for you to stay where you're at. Stay lost. Stay bound. Stay, stay hurt. Stay wounded. I don't want to walk alone. Reach over and take the hand of the person next to you. They'll walk with you. We've all walked this walk. Every one of us has stood. And we walked down an aisle somewhere. Some of us in jail. Some of us in prison. Some of us on the side of the road. But every one of us have humbled ourselves, And we've come to God. And ask him to take our sins away. Help us with our mistakes and failures. Restore us. Restore us. Please, no one looking around. I need everyone that's ever been delivered. Just help me pray. There, there is another here this morning. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There is room at the cross for you. Dallas Holmes said it so well. Come unto Jesus. Give him your life today. Come unto Jesus. 
It's the only life that pays. Don't put it off, my friend. You can't afford to wait. Today's the day for you. Today, God's extended his hand. I don't want to walk alone. I don't, I don't know what to do when I get there. I'm embarrassed. I don't Take someone by the hand and say, hey, walk with me. Walk with me. Just, just walk with me. So I have to walk alone. Walk with me. Miss Diana knows how to pray. She knows how to, to encourage. Come on. Patrick Todd, come and join me right here. I just felt there was a young man that is saying, Pastor Hank, I, I really need to I really need to turn some things over to God this morning. I really, really do. And you've been talking to the girls, but I feel like that I really need to turn some things over to God today. No one's looking. If that's you, I just wish Pastor Hank would put a guy up there so I could walk down and pray with the guy. Okay, God, God heard your heart, heard your prayer. He has done that. Will you come today? Will you come? Come on. Come on. I'm a guy wandered away from God. I'm going through some stuff. I need God's hand in my life. You're here. We're going to transition. We're going to go another direction. This door, this door is about to be closed. This window is about to be shut. Oh, he'll, he'll honor you. He'll honor you in the basketball court. He'll honor you in the football field. He'll honor you at Walmart. He'll honor you in a gutter. He'll honor you in jail. But why, why wait another day? Why wait another hour? Why spend another moment of your life without heaven, without hope, without, without the blood of Jesus? Come on. Come on. Ten seconds and we will we will conclude. Will you come? Come on. Come on. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I need to be. Is there one more? Is there one more? Five seconds. Will you come? Three. Two. One. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now just, now just begin to agree with me in prayer. Thank you for some doors that have opened. Thank you for some steps that have been made. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for these young ladies. Thank you for their reaching out to you. Let them know that they're not alone. They won't be alone today. They won't be alone tomorrow. This church stands behind them. This church is here for them. We will plug them in where they need to be plugged in. We will surround them with people they need to be surrounded we will not leave them at the side of the road half dead. We will not, will not leave them without putting them where they can be cared for and loved encouraged. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the, for the doors that are opening. Would you take your own time to, just to thank him today? The Bible says that there is rejoicing among the angels of God in heaven when when a child comes home. The Bible says the church killed the fatted calf. Get the best calf. Get the best band. There's going to be music. There's going to be dancing. The father's rejoicing and wants the kids to rejoice with him. Seasons of refreshment. Seasons of empowerment. Seasons of hope are coming your way. Because you support a ministry that reaches out to the unreachable. And reaches out to the untouchable. Because they are reachable and touchable. God loves them. 
God sent his son for them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Todd. Thank you, Pastor Barbara. You love what God is doing. You love what God is saying. Pastor Tim, you get a microphone and come and conclude our service today with the word of blessing. We will be here all week this week getting ready.